Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. So I, I want to start off by saying this, with regard to the Holy Spirit, okay, with, with regard to the, 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 the Holy Spirit, we've got to realize that our view of the Holy Spirit will determine our experience of Him. Okay, the same way our view of God will determine our experience of Him, our view of Christianity will determine our experience with Him, and your, your view of me will determine your experience with me. The same thing with the person sitting next to you. The way we view something determines how we're going to experience it, how we're going to treat it. You know, if, if we just see it like, like relationship with God, which Christianity is about relationship with God, but a lot of people then see distance. They see visitation. Christianity is not visitation, it's dwelling. It's abide. It's not visiting. We don't visit with God. You're not visiting Him today. You're visiting me and everybody else. Amen? You could have stayed home and, and fellowship with Jesus, but you chose to come here to fellowship with us. <laughs> okay? Uh, 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 and, and Christ in each of us. So the church is important, but you don't come here to meet with God. You might come here to get a word from God or to receive from God, but it's, it's more appropriate that you, you see that you're coming here to engage with us and to receive from God through us, through each other. That's, that's fellowship. That's the, the relationships that we have here. But look with me at John chapter 14, verse 12. Okay, John chapter 14, verse 12. says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with my Father. Now, in order to experience salvation the way God intended salvation to be, we've got to see salvation the way God sees it. Okay. Last time I ministered, you had a great word from uh, uh, Norman from Be Beautiful Exchange Grace Church uh, last week. Uh, but the week before, I shared on what is salvation. Now we're talking about this. Okay. And we're talking about it a bit more. But this shows us what normal Christianity should be. Okay. Now, if you heard me say this this morning, then just hold back. But for those of you who didn't comment on this verse this morning, it says that you can do, if you're a believer, not if you fasted for three weeks, if you're a believer, you can do the same works that Jesus did in greater works. If you're a believer, not if you are extra holy with some extra saint something or whatever but it's just talking about a believer you can do the same works as jesus did in greater works as i was meditating on this verse i realized many people you might not even think about what that means you might think well jesus loved people i can love people amen but what are some of the other things that jesus did he healed yeah, someone always comes up with that one. It's usually someone in Stellenbosch. Water into wine, he says. <laughs> he walked on water. I was expecting you to say that. Sorry. <laughs> he walked on water. I was waiting to see if someone would say water into wine. Because in Stellenbosch, that's the first one that they always whip out. 
but thank you for saying walking on water just uh, confirming my um, suspicions uh, about Stellenbosch but uh, <laughs> not about you uh, but the point is is that like you know the, there's many things that Jesus did he lived a supernatural life even loving people was supernatural amen he didn't judge people he treated them with grace we can do the same and greater because I'm going to my father why is that line so important because Jesus later on we'll look at or maybe we'll look at that verse but it says it says later on in the gospel of John uh, it is necessary expedient to advance that I go away so that I can send the spirit so he's saying it's better for me to go so you can have the Holy Spirit why okay my favorite line with this one is because after the service Jesus is coming home with me and you'll be at a disadvantage Okay, but he's in all of us, and so now we all go home with him. Or he all goes home with us. This is a, I, because I'm going to be with my father, referring to the spirit that we would all have. Now, because we have the spirit, it's Christ in us, Christ through us. We can do the same works as he did and greater works. So God's intention with Christianity was something like this, not, not the church-going type that, we, that the world thinks of. We've painted a horrible picture over 2,000 years for the world of what Christianity isn't, what they think it is. You know, a, a, a massive, beautiful, big cathedrals with no, no uh, 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 life in them at all. Some of them have, but a lot, most of them don't. I've been to some and they've, all they've got is St. Thomas's finger in, in, in a frame on the wall. I'm like, what good is that? Well, the one church uh, building I went into in Rome, and, and the, one of their relics, because they love the relics, is, is Mary's breast milk. And my question is, why? <laughs> Who, it's probably not. You know, they've, they've all got a piece of the cross. Isn't that amazing? They've all got a piece of the cross in a frame somewhere. And statistics say that if you took all the, the, the pieces of wood and you put them on top of each other, you'd get to the moon and back. That's how many claims there are to pieces of the cross. And then they bring it out once a year, these things, and they parade them around, and you're trusting for miracles, and that's not Christianity. No matter how much you dress it up with the name of Jesus or whatever. What I'm trying to show you is that's what, what Jesus intended with Christianity. Not someone with a gown standing up front telling you what you should and shouldn't do. Although I've got a gown for Christmas. <laughs> you know that. But I don't tell you what to do and not to do. You know, we, we, we need to see what God intended with Christianity. Okay? John three sixteen and 17. He didn't intend another religion. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him, believes in Him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is the key here, okay? For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That last line is so key because it's showing us that Jesus didn't come to condemn. But what is the church known for? That's why in uh, um, Nongoma, when I went into that house with the pastor, the one sister ran into the back room and hid. Because she didn't want to talk to, to us. She knew that across the road lives a pastor, and this white guy must be something special. So here they're coming. I'm, I'm hiding. 
And then we start talking about Christianity, we start talking about Jesus, and we confirm her suspicions. And now what? Now, now she's really ashamed. She's, she's like holding back tears even. And as we ministered the gospel, she was like, this isn't the gospel I know. Why? Because religion has been propagated. Religion has been pushed, not eternal life. And if you listen to those testimonies, every, well, most people, I can't think of someone who didn't say this, most people shared about how the, the gospel is the message of God wanting to live in you. It includes your forgiveness of sins. But what does the world think of Christianity? They think that Christianity is another way of trying to get closer to God, another way of pleasing God, another way of trying to get to heaven, another way of you fill in the blank. It's not another lifestyle. If you treat Christianity like a lifestyle, then, you know, it's, 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 you're belittling it. It's life. And it's abundant life. Okay, John 17 verse 3 says, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Now, this is funny, because uh, usually I'll use New King James or King James. This is New Living Translation. And it says, you know, the, the, this is life eternal, to know you. And so from that we can get that it's Christianity, or Jesus came to give us relationship with God. Amen, hallelujah, I believe everything in the Christian faith is about relationship with God. But I like, the, this is the first time I've noticed that this verse is saying it differently. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, look what it says. This is the way to have eternal life, to know you. So this is putting it a little bit different. Eternal life's not just a friendship with God. Eternal life is a little bit more than that. Okay, if you look up the word no in the Greek, it's, it's a, a, a Jewish idiom, idiom for, for sexual intercourse. It's talking about intimacy. So this is referring to our oneness with Christ, our union with Christ. Okay, but if we look at this, it's talking about, you know, whenever the Bible's talking about eternal life, it's talking about the Spirit of God living in a man. God's desire and dream from the beginning up until it was fulfilled in Christ. Through Pentecost. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, But the, the person who is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. This is what it means to know God, to be one with him, to be united with him. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you are fused together with him. Two become one. It's not two pieces of paper being stuck together. It's like two coins being melted together that you can't tell the difference anymore. The problem for the majority of us in this room, I would, would, would like to put money on it and bet that this is the problem, is that we have a separation mentality. The problems in our life come from a, 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 a belief that God is not one with us, but we're living for Him. We're trying to do our best for Him. We're, we're following after God. I'm a God chaser. I don't know if anyone you know, got those books. It was encouraging. It was inspiring. But the point is, is it... God somewhere down there and me somewhere down here having to do a lot to try and get to God. When Christianity is not an effort to try and get to Him, it's a, it's a realization of who uh, uh, lives inside of us and our oneness with Him, our unity with Him. We are united with Him never to part again. That's what this verse is saying. You could be the sorriest Christian in the room, 
<laughs> you can be the, the worst Christian in the room. You can be the Christian who doesn't read the Bible here. I'm sure there's one at least. <laughs> we won't pick. We'll vote on who do we think that is. Yeah, we, we're not bringing condemnation or, or shame, but I'm just saying you could be that person, that guy or that girl who is really just going to church and, and that's it. Not really even praying or talking to God or, or whatever. And you know what? There's lots more for you that God wants for you, but you are as close to God as I am. Since you think that I'm really up there somewhere. I'll use myself as an example. The point what I'm trying to make is, is that we are, no one here is closer to God than anyone else. And I can hear you saying, but I fasted for three weeks recently. Well done. Please stand up so we can give you a, hand, a round of applause. Like, well done. You're amazing. All glory to you. Aren't you something? That's amazing. Why are you glorying in what you're doing for God and not what He's done for you? That's the problem. We're trying to get close to God, but we're not enjoying the fact that He came to us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. You know, the, 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 when, when, when uh, uh, He died on the cross, Jesus, the, the temple curtain tore in two from top to bottom. You can go read it. The earth shook and the temple curtain, which separated the holy of holies from everybody else it tore from top to bottom that thing was 20 meters high that's a bit higher than this roof i would guess nobody can jump 20 meters high okay that curtain was so thick it was about six inches thick tradition says i don't know how big six inches is <laughs> Tell us, Mr. American, about that big, a hand, a hand or so. So it's about, it's about that thick. Nobody can tear a piece of material that thick. Scholars write and they say that there would have had to be a couple of horses pulling in that direction and that direction, and it probably still wouldn't tear. So I'm trying to show you that the temple curtain tear, being torn in two from top to bottom was supernatural. It was God making a declaration. I don't want to stay in here. <laughs> God was breaking out to be with people. Then Jesus ascends and then he comes back in spirit form at Pentecost. For what purpose? To live in man. Not to live in a temple. That's why we're not bothered with a building. He came to live in us. Okay? And now, the moment you say yes to Jesus, you're one with Him, never to be separated, even on your worst day. But Shane, you don't know what I did this week. You don't know what I did this week. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, the, the point is, is that we think that if I do something wrong, God's far. If I do something good, God's close. He deals with us by grace, which means... That, you, you know, sin will harden your heart towards God, but it will never harden His heart towards you. Sin will cause problems in your life, but it's not going to make God distant from you. It might make your heart distant from Him because you are focused on the problem and because you are experiencing condemnation, guilt, and shame. 
But if you can get your heart and your mind wrapped around the fact that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, and if you can stop focusing on the sin that you're struggling with and start focusing on the Savior and what He's done for you, you'll walk in freedom. Okay? John 10, 10. The Passion first. It says, a thief. This is one of the verses I was most excited to share with you this evening. Let me just uh, give it its introduction and a dramatic pause. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Amplified Classic says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus speaking, that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Okay? I have to say it. It's not speaking about money. <laughs> I apologize in advance for your disappointment. But uh, we tend to take it like that because that's what we desire. But we need to change our desire from something carnal and if money is good. If you want it, great, go for it. We need it. We need your money as well. <laughs> the point, but the point is, is that the greater desire that we should be having is to know God. And to be one, one with Him, if we're Christians, to know Him more. And to enjoy that intimacy. Okay? So, talking about, when it's talking about abundant life. Life abundance, not referring to money, houses, and cars. Although there's nothing wrong with that. And although you should go for that. But the word life there in the Greek is Zoe. God's kind of life. It's talking about eternal life. The purpose of why Jesus came. Okay? Eternal life is, was His aim. It's what He wanted for you. So he came to give you life till the, to, uh, life to the full until it overflows. Abundant life. Life to the full until it overflows. We would all love that in our bank accounts, but how much better, because there's a lot of rich people who are sad and, and, and depressed, but this is what God wants for us, to be the most ex, uh, 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 peaceful people, the most uh, joyful people. The most love-filled people. The most power-filled people. This is what it's talking about. Life to the, uh, to the full until it overflows. Eternal life. God's Spirit living in you. God Himself dwelling in you. Think about that. That means the same works that Jesus did, you can do in greater. That means Christ in you, Christ through you. That means so much more than just a read your Bible, pray every day. It's like we've diminished religion, Christianity to some kind of thing which it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be life. Read your Bible, pray every day. You will grow. <laughs> Amen? But we need to see more than that. We need to represent more than that. The world doesn't need to see you sitting at a coffee shop with your Bible. The world needs to see you living like Jesus. Jesus didn't have a Bible. There's a thought. He had power. Okay? I'm not diminishing the Bible. I think the Bible is very important. We should be people full of the Word. 
If I push your buttons at two in the morning, I don't want to hear about a dream, I want to hear the word. If I'm in a crisis and I phone you, don't tell me about your dream or your vision. Tell me about the Word. Because that's what's going to carry me through. You know, I've gone through crises and I've had dreams and I've had visions, open visions. And you know what helped me through those crises? Not the vision that God gave me, but the Word that He had put in my heart with that. That's another story. TPT. Can you go back to TPT on that? John 10.10. I like the last part there. It says, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. I like that. Because God's intention was to give you abundant life, which is the Spirit of God living in a man, eternal life. Why would God want to come and live inside of you? Because He wants to overflow out of you. Okay? Why would God want to take up residence inside of you and dwell in you? Because you're his caravan. <laughs> he wants you to take him places. He doesn't want you to leave him at home on the coffee table next to the Bible that you never read. And he doesn't want you to leave, you to leave him at church. He wants you to take him to work. And whether you know it or not, you're taking him there anyway. You can't leave him anywhere, but in your heart, you're leaving him places. And he's so sad. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I can imagine some preachers going off like that. I'm not here to make you feel sad. Look at what Jesus said in John 7, verse 37 to 39. He, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. There's so much in this verse, even just on the point of feast there, but we won't go there. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let's pause there. I'm thirsty for you, Lord. Let's sing those songs. I'm thirsty for you, Jesus. I'm, I'm desperate. Let's read. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Okay? The Christian shouldn't be thirsty because the Christian has come to Jesus and is drunk. Drunk. Drink, drunk, you know what I mean by that, okay? So don't go off on a, on a, a tangent. But the point I'm trying to make is that the word drink is a parable or an illustration for believe. Okay? I've been in those circles. Let's drink of the Spirit. That's in the same category as, let's put on the helmet of salvation. <laughs> it doesn't work, okay? It's about what's in your heart. What do you believe? So this is saying if we come to Jesus and we believe, okay, he that believes on me, the, uh, the, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So this is showing how, you're, like what John 10, 10 said, I want to give you life in the fullness until you overflow. Give you life in abundance, eternal life, the Spirit of God, until you overflow, until rivers of living water flow from your belly. Verse 39. But this he spake, spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that well, Jesus was not yet glorified. Just a technical thing on here for some of you who like the technical uh, of this, this is not talking about, well, let me say what this is talking about. It says, but this he spake of the Spirit, 
which they that believe on him at that moment in history should receive at Pentecost, because the Holy Ghost was not yet given at Pentecost, because Jesus had not yet been glorified before Pentecost. This is an historical statement, not a doctrinal statement of how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, we, we, we're going to look at that now in a bit. But Isaiah 55, verse 1 says, Is anyone thirsty? I had to choose the NLT for this because I knew I would go off track if I used King James. You need to go look at it. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. You know, this is a prophecy of what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 7. The Spirit refreshes us. The Spirit satisfies us. The Spirit is all we need. And that's what God's desire and aim was. Now, I have to comment on the King James Version because I see some of you looking at me. But the point is with that is that it says, Ho, let anyone who drinks or thirsty come and drink. And I was at a conference once where they stood up and they were like, um, they got people who speak different languages, four or five of them up on the stage. This was the worst conference I've ever been to. And I, for years after that, six, seven years after that, I would, uh, Grace Life hadn't started yet. Grace Life started about four years later. And even after Grace Life started, I was still counseling people from their bad experience at this conference where the, the, the ministers were up front and they were going, you know, read the scripture, translate the word ho for us into your language. Like ho as in, like ho, 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 like, you know, Father Christmas type ho, jolly. And they had us going, you know, you know, translate it, ho. And then, you know, they were apparently drinking from the spirit. Now I've seen things, I've experienced things, but that's just a little bit too crazy. Okay. There are experiences to be had in the Spirit, and we need to be open to them and expect, expecting of them. But that was just a little bit pushed, and everybody there was very uncomfortable except the ho-ho-hos, <laughs> the ones that were, were up front. Drinking from the Spirit is not something weird. It's Christianity. We kind of have this mentality of there's... Christianity and there's spirit-filled Christianity. You know that one? All of us probably would classify ourselves as spirit-filled Christians. I hope that I can nail that one to the coffin for you today, or in a coffin. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. I don't know if I've got it there, but the NLT says, And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. What does that mean? It means that there's no such thing as unspirit-filled Christianity. There's just some Christians who know what they've got and they're operating in it because they've, they've experienced an empowering and they're going for it. And then there's other Christians who are just like waiting for Jesus to come. They're not experiencing the power. They're not enjoying the abundant life. I've been in a church like that for a while. It was horrible. <laughs> But, you know, and I looked at them and judged them and said, these guys don't have any Holy Spirit because they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, you know, and I was judging them for it. And, and as I was even preparing this, I was thinking to myself, what was I doing? Like, you know, just, just, just ignorance. 
but, and foolishness. But the point is, is like they have the Holy Spirit as much as we do. The point, the difference is, is surrender. I love how Reinhard Bonnke said it. He said, you know, the, 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 the difference with the, with the spirit-filled life and the, the normal or just a regular Christian is, is the surrender to the spirit. The one operating in power has just surrendered to the spirit. I mean, if you look at Colossians, what does it say? You are complete in Christ. Comma, spirit-filled Christian. It, it's speaking to believers, and it's saying, believer, you are complete in Christ. But let's just check quickly your credentials. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because then you're not complete. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is an issue of surrender to what you've already got, realizing the, the, the fullness that lives inside of you and allowing Him to empower you. I've gone off my notes long ago. Because obviously I, 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 someone needs to hear this. You know, if you know us, you, you know we're, we're, we're spirit-filled. We believe in the power. We want to see things happen. We, we see it. We've experienced it, you know. I remember we started having some uh, um, leadership times that it was for anybody really, but some prayer times. And, you know, there was laughter and there was all sorts of awesome things happening. And we were enjoying it. Uh, 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 but there was a purpose for it. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. So... We would consider ourselves a spirit-filled church. And I don't like saying that, but I'm just saying we're in that category. Charismatic with a seatbelt. Now, we don't want you to swing from the chandeliers. You know? But the point is, is that there is no such thing as spirit-filled Christianity because Christianity is nothing without the spirit. I was meditating on this and I was like, you know, there's this, this thought or this saying, and I've read it, I think C.S. Lewis even said it, of what it, the, the, the difference between any religion and Christianity is, grace. And I agree, because I'm Mr. Grace Man. Okay? I love grace. I love teaching grace and helping people understand grace. But as I was meditating on that, I was like, there's one other thing which is probably bigger than that. <laughs> and that is the Spirit of God dwelling in a man. Because any other religion I've, I've, I've kind of thought about and investigated doesn't have that. They may have some kind of thing, you know, where the, 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 the spirit or they encounter something, and it's, it's, but it's for a season, it's not like long term. We have God fixed in us forever. Forever. So think about it. Christians, we're often overcome by things in life. You know, either by life or, or even just by the enemy, and the reason is, is because we see our life in Christ as a continuation from the old and we don't see what Christ has actually done by coming to live inside of us. A lot of Christians lose their enthusiasm for their faith because it's something that they're trying to do for God and not something that they're uh, uh, doing with God. That's why a lot of Christians give up. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own, put his seal on you by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. So the gospel is a message of you believe and then everything changes. You believe and then you receive something. 
or better put, you believe and then you receive someone. And now you're one with God. Now let me just throw this in and we'll talk about it another time. But if you're one with God, let's do, do, do biblical maths. If you're one with God and I'm one with God, then we're one with each other. Well done. Isn't that beautiful? Christianity is all about this union or this oneness. The moment we say yes to Jesus, we're spiritually fused together with him, never to be separated. The moment we say yes to him, we become the dwelling place of God, and yet so many Christians are looking for God. So many Christians are looking for God. Why? Because they don't know what they've got. We, if we wake up to who we've got with us, we'll encounter people out there looking for God, whether they're Christians or not, and we will help them find truth. We won't leave them in their misery. Galatians 3, verse 14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So the blessing of Abraham is not money, it's not wealth, it's the Holy Spirit through faith. This is salvation. This is salvation. The Spirit of God living in a man. Salvation. Oneness or union with Him. And this is what was promised throughout the Old Testament, that God would put Himself in man. I'm hammering on this because it's so important. Because, I mean, I've been in, in a fair number of churches, I've, I, I, like all over the world. I've visited, I've ministered in different churches, and it's, it's awesome. I love ministering in other people's churches, and it's a privilege to have their pulpit. And, and I mean, if you watch on Christmas, Christian, not Christmas, Christian television, and, and you see you know, what, what people minister on and whatever, it's amazing that we've got such a powerful gospel, and yet we're ministering on three keys to prosperity. Or you fill in the blank. Like all these things that, that people are coming up with, find your, 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 your three steps to finding your purpose. And, and it's got nothing to do with the gospel. And God's got a purpose for you. Yes, you can discover your purpose and whatever. But my purpose behind the pulpit isn't to entertain you. Although I am entertaining at times. My purpose is not to, to make sure that you're, you're encouraged for the week. My purpose is to equip you in the knowledge of the truth so that you can live in victory and you can live a, a, a powerful life, a life like Jesus. Okay? Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, the prophecy of salvation. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols while I cleanse you. Now, if he's sprinkled clean water on us, and it says, you shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols, I will cleanse you. What is the deduction, that we, the thing that we can take away from that? That we would be clean. Thank you. How many Christians don't feel clean? Exactly. Too many Christians don't feel clean. Next verse. A new heart. Also will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. 
And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. God is saying, my spirit, I'll give you my spirit. I will live in you and it will cause you to walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. Christianity is never, and the pulpit should never be the place where we're saying, this is how you live. This is what you must do for God. If you discover the Spirit within, you'll start living those things because the Spirit will cause you to do that. It's about surrender. My job is more about helping you get to the place where you'll surrender. And you'll say like Jesus, not my will, but your will. 1 John 2 verse 25 and this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. What promises are you believing God for? <laughs> it's a trick question. There is one major promise in the Bible, and that is eternal life, the Spirit of God. That is the promise that should excite us the most. 1 John 5 verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. It's about believing. It's not about having to do it's not about having to strive or strain or, or, or try and become something. It's just the gospel. And then 1 Corinthians 3.16, you should know that you yourselves are God's temple. God's spirit lives in you. You're not trying to get God to live in you. You are now, as a believer, realizing that God lives in you. Therefore, 1 John 4 verse 4 is even more powerful for you. What does 1 John 4 verse 4 say? Anybody? Great, it basically says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Then you realize if I'm one with Christ, then the, and the, that means the greater one lives in me, then what have I got to fear? What have I got to worry? I can go for it. Nothing can stop me because I'm with him. And he's with me. A Christian, someone who is, is someone who is in Christ, is not just a person with a new belief system. A Christian is someone who is born of God. If you're born of God, you have his DNA. What is his DNA? The Spirit now living inside of you. The Spirit is, what is the ability of the Spirit? What is the abilities of the Spirit? To be like Jesus. What does that mean? We call it gifts of the Spirit. Haha, how, how do you operate in the gifts of the Spirit? You need to realize you've got His ability in you. He's empowering to do those things. You're not waiting for something to fall from the sky, from heaven, on your head, and then all of a sudden, I can prophesy. It comes from within. It's an ability of the Spirit that we can operate in. It comes out of us. It doesn't fall upon us. There's something important we'll talk about there in the coming weeks. The Christian life is a, the Christ life, which is the Spirit-filled life. Look at uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is saying Christ in me, Christ through me. This is what we've got to awaken to and what we've got to realize. I 
am dead. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And he wants to live through me. The life I live now live by the faith of the Son of God. All I need to do is surrender. Here I am, Lord. Have your way. Lord, this person's irritating me. I just want to slap them up the right way. But you know what? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen? I've got the Spirit of God living in me, and the fruit of the Spirit, a natural byproduct of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace. Some of you are just wanting power. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, you know, cast out demons. But what you really need is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are expressions of Christ. Nobody in the world can express those things without Him. But I know an unbeliever, and they're the most loving person I know. You just push the wrong button. They can't do all of that all at once all the time. Something's going to give somewhere. But if we're like Jesus, we can always be the most loving, patient, kind, good people. And I know that's not enough because... Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims, everyone is trying to be nice. Most people are trying to be nice. And so we, we can't just go with a, 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 be a, the nice crowd. We need to be the power crowd as well. It takes both. We need to yield to the Spirit within so we can operate in these things. Again, John 14, verse 12, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I go to the Father. Through our union or relationship with God, we have supernatural ability to live a supernatural life. Because you're, you're the house of God, you can be supernatural. Okay? And your life should be supernatural or it's superficial. As believers, we're now one with Jesus, one with His nature, one with His power. We are now one with the answer to whatever problems we face and other people face. So you, Mr. or Miss answer, answer Person, <laughs> walking around there, if people are looking for answers, they shouldn't look further than you. And you don't need to be a, a gifted apologist. Know all the answers to, you know, like C.S. Lewis or someone like that. You don't need to, do, to know all of that. All you need to know is the Holy Spirit. And I've sat with people like that. I can't remember specific testimonies now, but I remember sitting with people and they're busy arguing intellectually and then I just trust for a word of knowledge. <laughs> and then you throw it out there. Well, you know, I can't really answer you on these issues, but did something like this happen to you when you were a child? <laughs> or, you know, is this problem in your life? Or, you know, what about this? Or what about that? And then they're like, how did you know? Well, the Holy Spirit told me. <laughs> I was talking to someone once, and they, they, they were, like, talking to me, Christianese and all this, and I said, you're struggling with alcohol abuse, aren't you? I just threw it in there. I was like, this is a bold step, but I'm going to do it. And so I just did it. It was in a public place too. And they said, no, I don't drink. I don't drink at all. You know, I'm a Christian. And I was like, no, 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 no. I know that the Lord's just told me that you're struggling with alcohol, aren't you? And they looked down and they said, it's, it's true. <laughs> and I had the opportunity to minister. So there was no evidence. It was just a, a bold step of faith. But you know, they couldn't argue with anything after that. Anyway, Acts 4, I want to read you this one. This, this, this will bless you. Acts 4, 29 to 31. 
Okay, this is believers. The same believers who were together at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And it says, that this is the prayer that they're praying. They've all come together and they're praying. Okay? Now, Lord, look at, on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. A good prayer? I think it's a good prayer. I think we'd all want those kind of results. Amen? Well, I do. Look at verse 31. It's not a trick statement, don't worry. And when they had prayed, the place where they believers that were at Pentecost were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This verse troubled me for so many years because how could spiritual believers be filled with the Spirit again? And it confused me for a long time. And, and the only way for me to explain this is something that I just did, wasn't planning on getting into, but now I'm in there. And that is, is that Acts is more of a photograph. If you read something like Ephesians, it's a doctrinal teaching. It's a teaching letter. Okay? But if you read through Acts, it's a photograph. What does that mean? It's evidence. It's, it's an eyewitness account. It's something that took place. The aim of the writer of Acts wasn't to teach us something. It was to tell us something that has taken place. Okay, some of you will struggle with my next statement, and that's why I'm also excited to say it. But that is that a Muslim could have written it. Because the only requirement to write something like the book of Acts would be to write what you see. Write what you were told. Be a journalist. And a good journalist would just record. So it was, the aim wasn't teaching, the aim was recording. Okay? So now we see a description of what was seen or what was told them. Okay? And so that's the first thing. Now they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but this is how that was described to them. But they, let's look at it like this. The bottom line is they had an experience with the Holy Spirit again after Pentecost. If you struggle with every, anything else, just focus on that. These believers who were at Pentecost in the upper room had another experience with Holy Spirit. And so God's desire for you and I is not just one experience, but multiple experiences. And I used to think that this was so that I could feel good. And I could like myself maybe some more, <laughs> or whatever the case is. But I thought this was like, you know, God wants to give me a goosebump in a service or, so that I can shake a little bit and just know that He's powerful and that He's with me. And that's not the truth. I, was, I think I've said it here before, but I was at a conference, and um, if I was to judge by spiritfulness, probably the least spiritful minister I know, <laughs> and he's standing at this big conference, and he's, he's saying that, um, uh, uh, what did he say? He said, hmm? Oh, oh, oh no, not that one. <laughs> he said, you know, so receive power when the Holy Spirit on you. And he said, so many Christians in all the world think that that's a goosebump to make me feel better. But it's to be a witness in all the world. The purpose of an encounter with the Spirit is always witness. Never to, to comfort you. The Spirit is the comforter and He wants to comfort you for a purpose. So that you can go and be a comfort. 
It's the, the, the purpose of the Spirit is the purpose of your life. So there's a tangible experience to be had with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And I, I've experienced it and I've seen it. Some people go off into Lululand. Okay? We don't want to go there. But the, you, this, uh, sometimes people will fall over. Sometimes people will shake. Sometimes people will laugh. You know? As long as it's not forced, go for it. As long as it's Holy Spirit, we don't mind. But we don't go after experience. Okay? We don't seek experiences. What do we seek when we're seeking the Holy Spirit? Okay? I hope you left that verse up. Yes. The answer's there. What do we seek when we're seeking Holy Spirit? When we pray now at the end of the service, and we're inviting the Holy Spirit to minister to us, what are we seeking? We're not seeking experience. We're not seeking goosebumps. We're not that warm, fuzzy feeling or whatever. Fall over. We're not, we're not seeking that. What are we seeking? The word that I'm looking for is not in there. What did you say? Witness, it's good. Opportunities. I'm looking for an F word. <laughs> we're seeking fruitfulness. Christian fruitfulness. Fruitfulness in ministry. This is what they were seeking and then they experienced an empowering. How do we know that? Well, look at the, the word there. It says, they're praying and they're saying, give us boldness that we may speak your word. And then stretch out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done. They're, they're not seeking an experience. They didn't even know an experience was about to take place. They were seeking fruitfulness. They were like, God, we need you to move through us. Okay? I wrote down two things that we can learn from their prayer, and I'm sure you can, you can, you can pull out a couple others there. But number one, and let me ask you, if you look at their prayer there, what can you learn? The first one is obviously don't seek experience, seek fruitfulness. But is there anything else that you can observe there that would be a good thing for us to learn in seeking Holy Spirit and in, in, in praying together? One or two things, anybody? Hmm? They were looking to, 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 to uh, reach out, to minister to others, so they weren't being self-centered in their prayer, which is good. Anybody else? To speak God's word? Being bold? Is that what you're going to say, Tulega? Anybody else? Those are all good answers and they're not wrong. But I picked up two things there as well. Okay? I'm going to read the prayer again. It says, uh, uh, um, Grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and signs and wonders may be done through your name of your holy servant Jesus. Now let's just look at what the, the, the answer to that prayer. The place shook. They were all filled with the Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So the fruitfulness at that ho-ho-ho conference I went to, there was absolutely no fruitfulness like this. All there was was confusion. That was it. Nobody got saved. I didn't hear about any growth in the kingdom at all after that. All I heard afterwards was people going around, the ones that liked it. That was powerful, wasn't it? I wonder when that's going to happen again. 
That's all they wanted, was another experience. But what we desire from an experience with the, like that with the Holy Spirit is they spoke the Word of God with boldness. The experience should lead to us going out there, not just talking to our, each other with boldness, but going to the people who need to hear the Word and boldly sharing the truth with them. What is the Word of God? It's not Bible, it's Gospel. If you don't know what the Gospel is, get the message from two weeks ago, and I can give you notes on it too. That's what we're talking about. But there's two things that we can learn from their prayer. Number one, there's a humility from them. A humility to recognize that they need God. Read this prayer. They're like, they, they recognize they cannot do this ministry by themselves. They're like, God, we need you. God, we, we can't do this without you. There's a humility in that. Saying, you know, it's like if, if any one of us has a situation or a challenge and we need answers, like I was in a situation like this recently, and I was praying about it because you can get the answer from the Holy Spirit, amen? And I was like, Lord, I've got this challenge. What should I do? It's like, you've got a couple of pastors in your life. Ask them. And I was like, what is that? So I phoned them up and I got some answers, very good answers. Why? Because God wants to unite us as the body of Christ. No man is an island. We shouldn't just be off there trying to get answers from God get the power from God, whatever from God. He wants us to operate together. There needs to be a humility. Okay, we need to recognize our need for God. And then the second thing I learned from this is there's a surrendering to Him. I picture in this prayer gathering, whether they were kneeling or not, doesn't matter. But in their hearts, there was a, a yielding to the Spirit. There was a, we need you, we're willing to receive what we need from you. So we need to, when we're, when we're praying, we need to have these two things. A humility to recognize, I cannot live like a Christian without you. What do I mean by live like a Christian? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, love people, turn the other cheek, wada, wada, wada. Okay? That's what I mean. we got to recognize we cannot do this without His empowering. But also, we need to recognize that we need to surrender to Him. And go, okay, Lord... Now, I've got many desires, I've got many dreams, I've got many things that I want. I want people to think I'm awesome. I don't want to make a fool of myself. I don't want to go out there and be that guy. Do you have a moment for us to be able to talk about the Lord and say all the lines that you guys have said to me? You know, like we don't want to have to be the weird ones, but are you willing to surrender and say, okay, I'll... I'll be foolish. I'll look like a fool for Jesus in the world, you know? Because it's a, it's a case of, I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. It's not my way. It's not your way. It's Yahweh. Amen? So let's stand up on that note. <laughs> Father, that was not planned. Father, I thank you that the people online enjoyed that as much as we did. <laughs> Father, I thank you that we can just right now just wait on you. Just close your eyes and for, just, just focus in on God. You know, if, you, if, you, if you've not ever received God, if you've never said yes to Jesus and become a Christian, then now's your moment. Okay, the Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, 
to make you right with him. And if you confess him as Lord, you, you say that Jesus is who he says he is, he is Lord, then you shall be saved. So if you've never made a decision to be a Christian right now in your heart, just say, Father, I'm receiving your gift of Jesus. In your heart, just say, Father, you, you know, Jesus died to make me right with you. I believe he's rose from the dead. And I just receive salvation now. In your heart, just you talk to God and you declare, Father, I'm, make, I'm, I'm receiving you as Lord. Come and live in me. You don't need someone to, to repeat a prayer and all that. It can work, but what you need more than that is just a, a genuine heart and just seeking God and making a decision that I'm yours now, Father, and I want you to live inside of me. And the moment you believe the gospel is the moment that he starts to live inside of you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that for those of us who are believers, anyone became a believer now, I thank you that we are your address, that you're dwelling in us. We're not visiting with you now, but we're just acknowledging your presence. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. We acknowledge your power that's here. We acknowledge your, your, your glory. We acknowledge your goodness. We acknowledge your presence. You know, the, the manifest presence of God means it's something tangible, something physical. There is that experience to have, but it's an experience of something that is already present. Okay, so, and what I've learned is that the more you recognize the Spirit of God that is here, the more you acknowledge the fact that, thank you, Father, you're here right now. Thank you, Father, your power is here. Thank you, Father, do you want me to experience this? The more you acknowledge it like that, the more you start to perceive it and experience it. And so in your heart, just begin to acknowledge, Father, I know you're here. Father, I know that you're in me. Father, I know that you want me to experience you more than I want to experience you. Father, I know that, 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 that you want to live in me, not only in me, but through me. And then, one of the most powerful prayers that any of us could pray, Father, I just surrender to you. Father, I submit to you, not my way, but your way. Father, we, we, we just right now humbly submit and yield to you. Not because we, we want an experience, but because we want to know you more. We know that there's experiences to be had, but we know that the experience is the purpose is overflow, the purpose is ministry. But before we minister, before we overflow, you want an inflow. You want us to experience your love before we can share your love. You want us to experience your power before we can minister your power. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that as we yield and as we just surrender and as we just open up our hearts to you, I thank you that there's individuals here right now that are going to be touched by you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
If you pray in the Spirit, just gently, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Just begin to, to, to you know, praying in the Spirit is like connecting to that supernatural supply and stirring up the Spirit that's within you. If you don't pray in the Spirit, then let me just explain it to you for a moment. The Holy Spirit, praying in time, is simply an ability of the Spirit. And if you've got the Spirit, you've got the ability. You can pray in time. It's not complicated. All you need to do is ask for the gift. So right now where you are, you ask God, Father, I want this gift. I know it's for me. And then all you need to do is just begin to, 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 to wait on Him. And as you wait, it, it's something that you're going to have to overcome in your mind because He's going to inspire language in your mind and you're going to be I'm thinking that up but no you're not because you didn't think it up before this but he's going to inspire something and you just need to speak it out and as you begin to speak it out it's going to begin to flow so just take that step of faith and just begin to speak it out you don't ever understand the language but it's it's your spirit connecting to God it's 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 you accessing the power that's within you it's it's a, a, a it's it's something that we can we can give you teaching on but it's powerful you don't want to miss out on it father i thank you right now that as we're praying in the spirit that that you're revealing things to us and that you're ministering to us in this place in jesus name Father, I'm praying for everyone in this room and that's online that we would have a boldness to speak your word in this week. That we would have a boldness to speak your word and that you would reach out through us to heal people and to perform signs and wonders through us in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm asking that we would, we would just have a week that we've had never had before this week because of a yielding to you so we can bring you glory father so that people can come to know you thank you jesus thank you jesus i really just sense on my heart that there's some people here who are really hurting there's some people you're like uh, 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 this I appreciate this. This is nice, but you're just saying in your heart, I'm hurting. I need healing. And if that's you, just, just everyone's eyes are closed. You just put your hands open in front of you like you're receiving. This is between you and God. But just you, you, you opening up your hands and as a sign of humility just to receive from God. And I, I believe God's going to just minister to your heart right now. Father, I thank you for the humility of those that acknowledge that right that they are hurting and whatever that hurt is father whatever it's rooted in whatever it's coming from i thank you that right now that there's just a wave of your spirit just washing over that area bringing healing and bringing wholeness bringing refreshing and bringing restoration in the name of jesus Thank you, Father. I just feel like God's just saying to you, you'll never be out of the line of fire. You'll never be out of the line of fire. And what that means is, 
There's always going to be opportunities to get hurt, but He is always there to heal. He is always there to protect. So just stay close. Stay close. And for those of you that responded to that word, I also just want to encourage you. you know, the, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. You're needing comfort right now. So number one, draw close to Him. And number two, draw close to the comforter in the brothers and sisters of, in Christ that are around you. You humble yourself and go alongside someone who you trust and say, hey, you know, I'm struggling. Or hey, I just need you to talk about something. Or would you pray for me? Just take that step of faith and just open up your heart and let, let, you know, sometimes the answer to our situation is in someone else. God sets it up like that because it's called family. <laughs> Father, I just thank you that you're ministering to people right now in this area, bringing just comfort and home. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.